0: Welcome to Our Jewish Roots with insightful Bible teaching by Dr. Jeffrey Seif. On this program, we see how David dealt with someone determined to destroy him. Today on Warrior King. Thank you so much for joining us today. I'm David Hart.
1: I'm Kirsten Hart.
2: And I am Jeffrey Seif. And we're gonna get into something. You ever have someone in your life, they just get under your skin? They're really a problem, and it doesn't seem to go away. You know, David had that too. It was a guy named Saul. They went at it for 13 years.
1: I've had people under my skin, but no one out to kill me. That's rough.
2: It surely was, and for no good reason. It's this spiritual thing that uh, this Saul just has it in for
0: David. Mm-hmm. I want to answer the question that you just asked us, but they may be watching today, so I, <laughs> we can't talk about it. <laughs> A Saul in our life. Yeah. Oh, you
2: have well, <laughs> one. No, we'll just... Everybody does, you yeah. know, right. and the thing is, it's, there's lessons to be learned about how David dealt with it. God took care of it. He really did. And not only did he take care of the problem, God used the problem to make David into who David needed to be. That's it's a good, good. story no, in that, the Bible.
1: That's a great point. Yes. Yeah, good.
0: Right now we go to our dramatic reenactment in Israel and then to Dr. Seif's teaching.
3: Let's go there now. It had happened before to King Saul. A dark, evil spirit had settled on his soul once again, leaving him utterly distraught. David meant well in playing a tune, but it did little more than further torment the troubled king. David was gone for now, but the evil spirit remained, taunting him without mercy.
2: I am sure that it was extremely painful for David, and I want you to get the point as well. Then why is that? Because it can be extremely painful for us. And what's that, Pray tell? When we are not only abandoned by friends and associates, not only disappointed, but out and outright betrayed. It's tragic. Sometimes there are people we serve them well in response to which we get not just disrespected, but they unleash forces upon us that look to knock the legs out from underneath us. Sometimes we can take our friends and weigh them in the scales, and they can come up wanting. And why is that? Because much as we try and love them, they come after us with a vengeance. And that's tragic, isn't it, that we have to be on the defensive, that we have to be on the ready against friends, people that we serve, people that we've loved. That's where the warrior King David, well, he's not a king yet, but that's where he finds himself. And maybe this is his training on the way to be the king. What do I mean by that? You know the story. David entered into a world against the backdrop of Saul's demise. Saul was vested with authorization to be the king, to lead the people. But he wasn't leading the people. He was bleeding the people. He was feeding off of them instead of feeding them. And why is that? Well, it was all about the house of Saul. It was all about him um, benefiting from the position that he had instead of using his energies to be of a benefit to the community. Well, God finally says, I can't work with this man anymore. He just won't repent. He, he, he's not teachable. So, the word to Saul from the prophet Shmuel is enough already. The Lord went to uh, someone else, Dovi, David, and he found in him some stock that he could raise up and use. Now, what's interesting, Part of David's being raised up was him to have this titanic struggle with the man that he began serving. And isn't that tragic? I don't know if you've ever found yourself in a place where the world has turned on you. Here we're in a home where there's some love, people working together, and you've heard the expression that a man's home is his castle. Uh, And the reason why that is is sometimes the world outside can be so very precarious. Very tumultuous, so we retreat into the confines of our own home. But what do you do when your own home, when your own safety zone turns on you? David had that happen. His whole world turned upside down. He learned to rely on God. But the same God that he was relying upon was the one who was counted upon to send the troubles. If you look in uh, 1 Shmuel chapter 19, we're told in verse 9. <speaking> in <Hebrew> and an evil spirit from the Lord came upon Saul. I don't know that God's in the business of dispatching demons. The point is, the Lord allowed it to happen. And so why is it that the Lord allows bad things to happen to good people, or why He allows His people to have bad people assault them? Well, we learn to trust in Him to be sure. It seems to me that if we're going to be champions, we have to learn to bear underneath difficult burdens and weights, and that makes us in the process. David was a king. He had to learn his craft, learn about trusting in God, learning about how God can deliver from bad people and bad circumstances. David learned that, and he became the warrior. He was forged in the furnace of affliction. There were many things that David learned, by the way, because of the difficulties that he experienced, difficulties that served him well. And I want you to know that the difficulties that you experience in life, if you're walking with the Lord, can serve you well as well. And why do I say that? Because Scripture says that all things, even Saul things, says, all things work for the good of those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. I have a Saul in my life, one or two, to tell you the truth, and you probably do as well. But you know what, if you have the Lord in your life, that's plenty good to get the better of life's challenges. It's easy to feel alone, isn't it, sometimes, when you feel you're running away from people's spears? But that's not all. The story with Saul and his family, I think you know, if you read the Bible, you learn that Saul had a son, Jonathan, a man, a different sort altogether. It's interesting, inasmuch as Saul was hell bent on destroying David, David had endeared himself not only to Jonathan as a best friend, a great friend. We're going to look at him in a moment, but not just that, but even Saul's daughter fell in love with David. Go figure. An upside-down world, isn't it? And sometimes an upside-down world is the kind of world that God uses to get His people right side up. And so, when we look at the story of our warrior King David, we learn about Davidic leadership in Goliath-like times, and we learn how he used difficulties to make that man who he was.
4: David and I had become the best of friends. Despite my father's attempts to have him slain, David remained intensely faithful to the throne. Our friendship had now become the one link that kept him alive. We laughed together. Perhaps, in doing so, hoping to forget my father's rage. David asked me to be loyal and kind. I agreed, knowing I could never find a better friend. One who, in the future, would replace my father as the king of Israel.
2: The word fraternity comes from the Latin word frater, which means brothers. And as you may well recall from the biblical text, hine named sheverachim gam yachad, behold how good and pleasant it is when brethren dwell together in unity. As you might recall, that, that people need people. Yeshua, Jesus, is on record, saying, uh, by this all men will know that you are my disciples by your love for one another, by your fraternity. When I think of the story of David and Jonathan, Jonathan and David, I'm reminded of a relationship there that to me is just fantastic. And by the way, it's (laughs) rare amongst men these days, outside of the theater of combat, I should say. Men go off to war. Men. forge bonds, Uh, when men struggle together against a common foe. I never served in the army, but I have a career in law enforcement. I know that there's a kind of fraternal bond amongst men who bear arms in defense of home and hearth and the police force, that there's a lifelong bond uh, that, that cops share. And by the way, it's all over the world. I can go to another continent and talk to a cop about cop stuff, and we are instant buddies. There's something about braving the same kind of hazards that forms bonds, and men need those bonds. Tragic outside of war, males uh, develop relationships in war where they learn to work together. We cultivate skills on reliance, responsibility, and then we leave that world and go into civilian life, and it's every man for himself. And there's something in that males feel something missing. There's a vacuum. There's something that needs fixed, and why is that? Because a man is alone, and men were not made to be alone. Strange as that might sound, there's a void in the heart that men have that can't be filled by a woman. Now, I know I can be misunderstood in saying that. It wouldn't be the first time, and I can get bad mail. Oh, I don't believe it, but it's true. Men need men. Now, I think it's problematic. Ain't it like the devil to sexualize that? Oh, I think that, indeed, is problematic. Uh, when I look here in the, in the sacred text to see about the sacred bond between men, let's not even think of sexualizing that. I believe the Bible legitimizes relationships between Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve, but I want you to see this. In uh, Shmuel, 1 Samuel chapter 20 and verse 16, Vayik rot in Beit David, and Jonathan made a covenant he cut a covenant. He 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 made a covenant with with David, and we're told in verse seventeen. And Yonatan caused David to swear for the love that he had for him, for he loved him as he loved his own soul. I believe there's a longing for that, by the way. I believe there's a need for that. I can't tell you how, as a police officer, I would love just to sit around in uniform with other men. Maybe there was a fight, there was an incident, something we, we, uh, uh, we, we work together to break up, and then there's a kind of camaraderie where we connect and we process what happened. And oh, for the joy of that. And to me, it's tragic how that's missing outside of that culture. You know, I've had some experience serving as a firefighter as well, where we debrief. You don the bunker gear. You, you know, most people are smart enough to run from a fire. Some people are dumb enough to run into it. Uh, but there, there's a, I, I say that tongue-in-cheek, of course, they're not dumb, they're heroes. The point is that when people work together in a common cause and a common struggle, it forges alliances that wouldn't otherwise be there, and we need that. I believe that God's people need to recover that. The Bible says, How good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell together in unity. Hear me, mister, you might have a lot of talent, but you are not going to excel. You're never going to reach what you could otherwise be if you forever want to go it alone in life. Find good friends. Cultivate those bonds. Be faithful to each other. David and Jonathan did that. It's a moving story never mind my words, read the Bible itself and learn how David was the better for his associations with Jonathan.
3: Our resource this week, the Grafted In Necklace. Wearing this lovely sterling silver rendition of a classic messianic symbol shows you recognize the Jewish roots of your Christian faith and stirs curiosities and witness opportunities with this tribute to light, the Lord, and abundant love. For this resource and more, call 1-800-WONDERS or visit us at levitt.com.
0: If you only watch us on television, you are missing additional content available only on our social media sites, Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. You can always visit our website, which is home base for all of our ministry activities and information. There you can sign up for our free monthly newsletter, watch the TV program, or visit the online store. Join us as we tour Israel and Petra. Please contact us for more information. We would love to hear from you.
2: I love this series, Warrior King. It's all about David-like leaders for Goliath-like times. I wanna thank you, by the way, for rising to the occasion with that David spirit and throwing some energies against the troubles of the day. Whether it's a stone, whether it's an arrow, Whether it's a dollar, people invest energies in order to propel God's work forward and keep back the prevailing darkness. Fundraising isn't my favorite aspect of television, but you know we need to do it. And I wanna ask you, please, to be gracious and help us to keep throwing energies against the darkness of the days. We live in interesting times, and we wanna be that David voice. Help us tell that story, please. And I wanna thank you in advance for so doing. It was
3: a slaughter field. Never before had King Saul ever witnessed such carnage. The Philistines had killed his three sons, and now, in the last moments of this hopeless battle, The wounded king pleaded for his own death. Loyal to the end and gripped with fear, his armor-bearer refused the king's plea. And so it was that Saul would use his sword one last time.
2: The expression to fall upon one's sword uh, speaks of someone taking their own life. And we're at a place in David's life where he's learned that his nemesis has fallen upon his own sword. Saul is dead, and Jonathan along with him. For my money, Saul could have died a lot sooner, and that would have been okay, because the God's honest truth is I didn't like that man as soon as I met him in biblical literature, at least not long after I read him. Uh, I realized there was something wrong with that man. Jonathan, on the other hand, you just can't help but fall in love with him. I just, I love that guy, and I say that at the risk of being misunderstood. In any case, David here is confronted with the fact that that both are dead, and it's monumental in the biblical text. Uh, The the Samuel text is clear that David had every reason to want to kill Saul, and he never exercised his prerogative. David's conduct is sterling, and why is that? Because he won't take it upon himself to be given to executing his superior officer in that social system. He spends 13 years not fighting Saul but running from him. And now, as he's running, he's overrun with the fact that Saul is dead. We uh, come upon that story in 1 Shmuel, 1 Samuel. Very simply, in in, uh, verse 4 at the end, uh, Saul, and the armies is engaged in a clash with the Pilishtim, with the Philistines, and it doesn't go Saul's way. And we're told finally in verse 4, Therefore Saul took his sword and he fell upon it. He was mortally wounded, and, and, and he said enough already. The battle's gone horribly. He, experiences the death of his own around him. It's tragic at one level. We're told then in uh, verse 7, very simply, Reveki metu shaul uvanov, and Saul and his sons were dead. What's interesting for my money is the way that David responded to it. As I'd said, the way I perceive it, Saul could have died a lot earlier, and that would have been okay. I would imagine David could have been tempted to just deep, you know, breathe a deep sigh of relief, but it wasn't the nature of the guy. David, and this is really interesting, I think, and it's evident, and you'll hear David in his own words, David was mournful over it. David had been running from that man for 13 years, and you know what? God used that tough guy to grow up David. God used the Saul, he used it all, wars with his own, wars with the philistine to make that man the man that he was. And great leaders are great bleeders, that is to say, we all have scars under our shirts. And and, and they make us the people that we are. David's leadership was forged in the furnace of challenge. David makes peace with his nemesis, if you will. And, you know, there's the old uh, Spanish expression, adios, which doesn't mean goodbye. It is goodbye, but it means to God. And I think that David gave his struggles over a long time beforehand, and now he eulogizes Saul and, and Jonathan. I want you to hear this in 2 Samuel chapter 1. He says in verse 23, Saul and Jonathan, the lovely and the pleasant, How can David describe Jonathan and his father as the lovely and the pleasant? You know why? I mean, you can be vexed over somebody that's really been messing you up for years, you know, but you make peace with it and you just say, God, whatever. I think it's striking that David himself did much the same. He says in verse 26, I'm distressed for thee, my brother Jonathan. David learned to forgive and give it over to God, and he was able to go on to greatness. Would that we did likewise.
0: I personally love the story of David, this whole series. I like that he didn't have a perfect life, but his heart, he has a great heart, I
2: believe. He surely does. And who has a perfect life? You know, one person, uh, Jesus had a perfect life life, the rest of us are just people.
1: Right, that deal with things like jealousy. It's interesting, I know I'm sandwiched between both of you guys, there's something that happens with guys. It's like a deep um, jealousy. Should I say that that can happen? I'd rather
2: deal with jealous guys than jealous girls. Jealous guys, will we'll just duke it out and come to terms. It doesn't simmer under the surface uh, for but, length. That, that's I think, overly simplistic. Uh, I, well, I'm
1: going to say I think it. I think it was under Saul. You know, the whole he killed thousands, David killed ten thousands. I mean. For over a decade, trying to t- trying to take out the next king, the anointed king of Israel, I don't know. There's something deep that Saul just couldn't get over—the jealousy of yeah. Well,
2: that's a little David. more to my way of thinking than just guys having a jealousy issue. I mean, that's jealousy on steroids, and that's a spiritual right. issue as well.
1: Right. And it's—I was just going to say—we deal with people like that in in, in our world people that are jealous of a position or or a place or a status. I don't even know if Saul was jealous of David's looks. But it's just, it's interesting to see that David still respected Saul. I mean, he was sad. When he died, Yeah, even. I think the
2: author goes out of his way to say that David didn't do anything to stealthily undo him, that the reason why Saul lost his seat at the table was uniquely because of Saul, and the reason why David had a seat at the table was uniquely because of God.
1: Now, I didn't mean to throw you guys under the bus. <laughs> Women can get catty. Yeah, 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 but, but, but it's the, something we all deal with. We
2: all deal with, right. you know, like at the outset of the program, we all have a soul in our life. I mean, there, there there's, we all have a stone in our shoe, you know, that that something goes ouch when we look at webs of relationships, and uh, you know, God used it to make David who he was, to be sure.
1: It's true. Our daughter-in-law has gone through a situation with a boss recently in the past few months that has just tried to undermine her. And our daughter-in-law has been extremely respectful of her position. And I see that with David also, that David, even in the midst of hiding out in a cave away from Saul, was respectful of Saul's anointed positions. Very
2: interesting. To be sure, even when he's victimized by it all, he goes out of his way. I mean, his performance is sterling. I need to be more like that. I'm willing to get in there and fight, you know? I'm not a nice guy at the end of the day (laughs) sometimes. I'll duke it out. (laughs) There's more news about this. We'll be right back.
0: Our Jewish Roots is more than just a television program. See what you are missing on our social media outlets.
1: On Facebook and Twitter, you'll find our daily Name of God devotional, current news articles, the Bearded Bible Brothers and more.
0: On our YouTube channel, you'll find Faith Foundations, music, interviews, the Bearded Bible Brothers and more.
1: Or find everything on our website, levitt.com.
0: We invite you to keep in touch and join us on social media. We have many Biblical series that we've brought you in the past. If you would like to see some of those that maybe you've missed, go to our website levitt.com and click on TV and you will see those series.
1: Right, we have so much to offer online, on our website. Find us, we make it easy. And something else that is easy is the way Chaim Malespin shares the Gospel. Let's go to him right now in Israel.
4: Joel chapter 2, our prophet talks about a time when the spirit would be poured out on all flesh. Isn't that amazing, but do we understand that it's connected intrinsically to the restoration of this land? Remember in 1906 when Ben Gurren first shows up here? He starts the Watchman movement, or what's called Hashomer, to develop agriculture here? And what happens right after that? In 1906, April 9th, the outpouring of the Holy Ghost at Azusa Street Mission, William Seymour, Richard Asbury. It was amazing. You remember the War of Independence, 1948 here, where God supernaturally protected Holocaust survivors. A bunch of militias got together and somehow we survived. Well, what happens after that? 1948 to 1952, the Ladder Rain Movement. Great spiritual renewal. Six-Day War, 1967. You remember we were outnumbered, two to one with soldiers. The Iraqi, Syrian, Jordanian, Egyptian armies, United Arab forces had a huge advantage over us with military weaponry, double the amount of tanks, four times the amount of aircraft, but you know we were supernaturally spared. What happens? The Jesus Movement all over the U.S. from the West Coast. Um, Let's go and look and uh, fast forward to... 70 years since the declaration of Israel. What will happen? What will God do? Let me tell you, outpouring is intrinsically linked to the restoration.
0: I sing and dance to you with praise, in love and worship all my days. Even in my darkest hour, I'll know your voice, I'll feel your power.
1: Chaim, for your words, you are one of the most positive, upbeat people. Great thing about Chaim, he doesn't let people get him down. King David did the same thing.
2: Boy, and that's really a great characteristic. We all should have some of that. Right. I want to be like him. Me too. (laughs) You
1: are. You really are, both of you.
2: Well, thank you. Sorry
1: I threw you under the bus with the men's jealousy thing earlier. (laughs) When I
2: grow up, I want to be like Chaim.
1: (laughs) (laughs) He is wonderful.
2: You're wonderful too. Time to go, however. So as we go, Sha'alu shalom Yerushalayim.
1: Pray for the peace of Jerusalem.